You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, your host, back with another episode down at the Bedford Studio with return guests, Mark and Sam from Tap Tap Eat to talk about your, I guess, athletic abilities. I know we touched on it in the last podcast, which I'll link in the description for, for people listening. But there is a lot more to you guys than just creating the best food app going. Um, but for, to set some context for people listening, if they haven't listened to that podcast already, I guess reintroduce yourselves and then tell us a little bit about what TapTap is. Yeah, I'll start. I'm Mark Thompson, and uh, I'm a co-owner of uh, Tap Tap Eat. And Sam, I'll let him introduce himself. But uh, uh, you know, we're local here from Oklahoma. I was born and raised here. Uh, graduated Edmond Memorial High School, um, and then went off to the University of Arkansas. Stayed there for a few years, and then crossed state lines uh, back again in 2005, and have been back in Edmond ever since. Uh, Sam Deck, uh, also a, a co-owner, co-founder of uh, Tap Tap Eat, um, moved to Oklahoma in 97, 1997 uh, to go to Southern Nazarene University um, and been here in Oklahoma pretty much since. Uh, a lot of family roots uh, from Oklahoma, did a lot of travel from uh, uh, California and Texas, but ended up in Oklahoma and have been here mm-hmm. for uh, quite some time now. Yeah. Uh, so uh, people need to order their food through Tap Tap Eat. That's basically <laughs> what we're saying. Um, and it helps your restaurant out, I promise. Um, and if your restaurant that you love to order food from doesn't have it, you should tell them. Uh, and I'll leave the website link in the description as you can go to that right now. But uh, talking about the running stuff, I, me being a golfer, am not a runner. <laughs> However, I have done a half marathon and an ultra marathon which I watched. Ultra. Yeah, I did a 50 kilometer and I did wow. the, the Mid-South 50K okay. a couple of years ago after watching too many David Goggins videos. I was like, <laughs> I can do this. I'm going to sign up for it right now. And I regretted it uh, instantly, uh, but I completed it somehow. But this, like, 
and I was kind of I was played soccer and rugby growing up, so we'd always run in as a kid and whatever. And I was kind of fast as a kid because I was the first one to kind of have the growth spurt. So my legs were longer than everybody until everyone caught up, and then I was not fast anymore. <laughs> I do remember the kid who beat me when I was like in middle school that that he finally got found his pace. I'm like, where did that come from? I was <laughs> yeah. just so like, okay, I'm never running again. Um, but like, running is I think. You know, when I started training, like, you, you know, you get into a routine, your body's used to it. And then once you stop for a week or two weeks, it really kicks you in the rear when you get back into it. But for you guys, when, you, you know, with especially kind of like the mile stuff or the shorter distance stuff, I mean, maintaining pace for a mile is not easy. You know, they say that the 800 or the 400 and the 800 is hard to train for. But training for a mile, I'm sure, is, again, another level. Uh, where does running, I guess, uh, Mark, start with you. Where does running begin for you? Yeah, I grew up playing sports just like you, Mike. I, anything and everything with a ball, that was mm-hmm. my first word. And so I was always, always playing sports. And uh, seventh grade in Oklahoma, I think it's probably still this way, is when school start, uh, school sports started. Mm-hmm. And I was playing soccer at the time and basketball and baseball. And I thought, uh, you know, uh, cross country is in first sport in the fall. It's like, man, I'm going to run anything I can do to get better at these other sports that I'm playing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm just going to get better at them. And so I, I saw it as something as a stepping stone to like get better at the other sports. Mm-hmm. And I went to practice that first day and was like, you know, the fourth runner in out of all the seventh and eighth graders and found out, man, I can, I can at least make myself suffer bad enough and endure yeah. it to to be halfway decent at this, and mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say I loved it still at the time, but you know found a, a natural uh, had a little bit of a natural gift there. Yeah. What about, Sam? What about you? Uh, yeah, it's a, kind of a similar story. Of uh, I I loved playing uh, sports and athletics. Um, grew up uh, soccer was my love, and mm-hmm. I mean to be honest, it it still is. I love playing soccer. Um, and uh, baseball and basketball. Uh, but what I found out somewhere, you know, post, you know, junior high was if I ran, uh, I seemed to be a little bit faster than everybody else out on the soccer field or everybody else, you know, going around the bases. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of, you know, part of my base. Uh, I remember even having um, some teachers and coaches come and ask, you know, like, hey, you need to run cross country for us. Um, hey, you need to come run track field and, and field for us. But it, it always gotten in the way of, you know, soccer season right. or tennis season or, you know, whatever the the sport season was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Mark, for you then, when you, when you realize that, like, hang on, I can suffer long, longer than others and I'm kind of pretty good at this, you started doing it more and, and competing at middle school, high school, mm-hmm. and then, like, I mean, in high school then it's like, whoa, I, I mean, I'm still doing this, I'm good at it colleges start calling and thinking yeah. there's a there's an opportunity for me to get my school paid for by running track. Yeah, that's right. That's where things really started to change for me. So I remember as a junior mm-hmm. in high school, um, I was still trying to play the other sports as well. So uh, I would get, uh, as a sophomore, I went and you know I won a state cross-country title, um, which I was very proud of, on Saturday. And then it's like, well, I've got to get to basketball practice on Monday. So literally straight straight into the gym. And I was slow in the gym. It doesn't exactly translate. It takes a little while to get those fast twitch muscles firing yeah. again. Um, and I would get sore from it. But um, but I was still trying to do that. And then as a junior, uh, I won the state meet again. But I had an injury to my knee that was really going to be inflamed if I played basketball. Mm-hmm. And really that injury uh, kind of turned my sports career into, you know what, I you know, 
this is probably going to get me through college and I need to protect these knees and these legs. And it, it just became time to focus on something. It was just an obvious transition right. of like, okay, I've got to get this better. Um, and then just, you know, once I fully focused on it, I got a lot better. Uh, so uh, from junior to senior year in high school, you know, junior year I had run maybe 425 or so on the mile. Mm-hmm. And then as a senior, I ended up running 408. Um, which was fifth nationally, and it was like, okay, right. You know, this is this is my this is my new path. Yeah, yeah. When they put that national stat in front of you, it's like, oh, now it's real, mm-hmm. right? It's not just I'm playing you know against the people in my state or my district or my city or whatever. It is. It's like, oh no, this is everyone in the country that wants to run. Mm-hmm. Which then, like I said, it makes it more of a choice to be like, you know, I don't want to be putting pressure on my knees and trying to. You know, I'm terrible at basketball too. Like two left feet, so anything to put pressure on my knees is a no go. Yeah. That's why I love golf. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's that's definitely a sign. That's like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna school. What offers did you get, and where did you go? I had uh, quite a few offers from uh-huh. around. Um, uh, in CAA, you get to take your five visits. Uh, I don't know if that's still the rule or not, but I visited places like Texas and Wisconsin. Uh, I went to the University of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Lo- loved it. Some, sometimes I wish I would have made that decision. Uh, Coach Clark, uh, I'll send this to you so you can listen to that. <laughs> um, and uh, and then I visited Arkansas and Stanford, and those were the two that really came down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Stanford had just won a couple of national titles in cross country, and then Arkansas was on about their 32nd of 40 national titles. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I couldn't have gone wrong, um, but yeah, I ended up opting to go over to, to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And scream pig suey for four years. Yeah, I, you know, I, I still I, don't I, get that, right? <laughs> that wasn't my favorite part, yeah. honestly. <laughs> we would do that even after cross country meets if we won and they yeah. presented the, the trophy or whatever, then we'd have to, you know, woo pig suey and do our, our do, don't, I'm not doing it today. Okay. <laughs> I'm proud. Damn it. I'm proud of my alma mater. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> But yeah. it's not a good solo activity. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, when there's a group of you, it's okay. But like on your own, it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> Sam, what about you? I, yeah, it's a completely different story for me. Um, you know, if we're going to kind of, you know, go through the timeline and yeah, Mark's been chatting about you know, uh, his college or, you know, transition to college is I, I was not a runner in high school. Mm-hmm. I did not run cross country. I didn't run track. It was just all soccer. And then I picked up tennis in high school also. Um, and then uh, really, I'd, I'd call it kind of walk on. You get some incentive money to go to college and play soccer or tennis at, at Southern Nazarene. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was my first love was soccer. Um, and over the years in college, soccer really didn't work out. I, and I was just okay at tennis. And, you know, I would go and you know, distinctly remember um, in NAIA, there was no age limit requirement. So there were a lot of, you know, people that were semi-pro tennis players and NAIA and, you know, me, I've only played a few years right. trying to, you know, every every tournament you'd run into one, you know, by the second round, yeah. you might squeak out a win. And then by the second round, you're playing like somebody that had a world ranking at one point in their life. <laughs> it was, like, I mean, how is this fair? Like, it yeah. isn't, but at the same time, I was like, wow, I just played a right. professional athlete on the other side of the, you know, they're beyond yeah. their prime, but still it was, right. it was pretty cool. But yeah, that, that, um, in a way, kind of transitioned well because uh, by my senior year in college, um, I had promised a couple friends from high school that I would always try cross country out. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I walked onto the cross country team, uh, and I was you know good at it, yeah. and you know so good at it that you know my walk on year, my senior year, I actually won conference, yeah, um, senior athletic conference, uh, and it became pretty 
prevalent. It was like, you know, felt good to be winning (laughs) transition as opposed to like tennis was like, it just, you know, if I could eke out a win, that was pretty good. But, but, uh, Cross country is completely different. Yeah. You think, why haven't I done this sooner? Yeah. Why didn't I start running oh, yeah. sooner? Well, I mean, from a whole d- yeah. bunch of perspectives of all of a sudden I'm like eligible for, you know, scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> People are wanting to, you know, pay for school now. Right. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a different experience. Yeah. So, so call, so the, 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 the cross country running, is it a varied of distances and you guys just focused on the mile or like, how does that work? So cross country, most distance runners in college, and I would I would say anybody who runs um, you know fifteen hundred meters or a mile and mm-hmm. up, uh, they run cross country in the fall as well. Gotcha. So cross country is usually eight kilometers or uh, sometimes uh, ten kilometer races yeah. in the NCAA, which you know five miles or six yeah. miles, and it becomes just a season of just kind of build. We call it base training. You're mm-hmm. building up your base, just your strength and your endurance. And it actually really complements uh, track running very well because okay. you don't want to spend all year running fast. Sure. Um, it, you segment your training. And, and so, you know, fall season around here anyway was just always a, a good block of yeah, yeah, yeah. just good long distance training. And we would, you know, even after college, we would we would end that block in early December all the way up to a half marathon. So even though we're mm-hmm. our, fo- our focus is getting faster at the mile, um, part of that, at least for a period of, of of the year, we okay. saw, hey, running a fast half marathon is going to be important as well. Yeah, uh, to, in in its own time. So, kind of just strength and conditioning, then con- yeah. consistency and building. You're right, right until you get to that. I mean, if you're a weightlifter listening, it's like bunch of reps, bunch of reps, and then you go in for your one rep max at the end, after yeah. like eight weeks or whatever, building yeah. up to that. Yeah, even football players, right? They have right. spring football. What are they doing? Man, they're just building their strength and their bulk. Yeah. And, and uh, same, different discipline, obviously, but same same mm. idea. It's almost off-season track. Mm. Yeah. What's it like running in Oklahoma in the heat? Or do you just... <laughs> I, I mean, you gotta, it's heat and wind. Heat and, well, yeah, yeah, true. Let's not forget running at Lake Hafner and a into a north wind is miserable (laughs) cycling is also miserable as well yeah i I think it makes you stronger yeah Um, i've always looked at it as like it's just another obstacle another hurdle Mm -hmm. like if you're having to get up at five to beat you know the potential 100 degree weather you know and it's 80 (laughs) at 6 a.m um i think it just makes you a tougher runner Mm -hmm. um same thing with the wind you know it's I, I know uh, Mark and I, we would line up our races, you know, post, post-college post career uh-huh. in some of the best weather we could. You know, like you'd go out to Stanford or Walnut, California or, you know, Indianapolis at 11 p.m. on, you know, in the summer. And it's just beautiful yeah. weather to go race a mile in. Um, and it works a whole lot better because you've been working and training in a lot more mm-hmm. difficult weather. Yeah. And I think it transitions well. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, and also kind of similar to that is like a lot of teams go and do altitude training, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever it is, like they're in the mountains and you're right. Like it's it's good to see it that way because if you see it the other way, then you've already on the back foot, mm-hmm. right? Is that a term? Did I just use a running term? Wow. That was <laughs> the back not, foot. Yeah. That was that was not intentional, I promise. No, I actually, I actually, learned, surprise. I actually learned that from Sam a little bit. Um, moving over to Fayetteville, the weather was a little bit nicer over there. It's just not not quite as harsh and windy. You know, the average temps in the summer are five degrees cooler. And so when I came back here, kind of reluctantly for my running career anyway, mm-hmm. just because there weren't as many people running around here um, at that level. Um, I, I would complain, you know, I, I hated running in the wind and, and the heat. And yeah. I, I was kind of mad. I was frustrated by that. It's like, well, I have to be here and I do want to continue my running. But I remember distinctly, you know, Sam saying, you know, 
it's just going to make us better. Like, yeah. bring on the wind. You know, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Let me complain here. <laughs> I just want to be in my own. Yeah. Well, running is such a mental thing too, isn't it? Because you're alone. You're in your own thoughts. You don't listen to music when you run. It's just you and your breath. That's yeah. it. You know, like the birds or the wind. Uh, Sam, obviously, winning conference was it was it was a pretty awesome achievement. Is there anything else that stands out for your running? Oh, I mean, it, it, that was just really the start. I mean, yeah. That was my the start of my running career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the unfortunate side is when you start your senior year in college, your eligibility has already started. <laughs> so, like, I, you yeah. know, I, one of the things that really helped out of it is I, I was able to get a master's out of it because I still had, you know, effectively, you know, at that start, um, a whole nother year after my senior year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, cross-country transitions into track and, you know, like I, I had some speed besides my cross-country skills. I was able to um, pull off some uh, um, great times mm-hmm. uh, just in that spring in my first year of ever running track. I remember I think I ran a, a 414 mile. It got me All-American status and in indoor. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I think a 355 in the 1500 that, that summer. Um, and all of that was kind of going on. I was playing two sports. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, and still learning just the sport of running. You know, Mark was talking about building up base. I, I had no base. I mean, yeah. it was like I would practice tennis for three hours and then go play two or three times a week and then go <laughs> race on Friday. And, and right. it, it, you know, it didn't last. It became pretty clear that I need to be running a lot more uh, mm-hmm. to get a lot better. Uh, but then you also won cars again, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I graduated, um, mm-hmm. and then actually took a year off cause I had got my career job at Delta mm-hmm. as a, uh, a network administrator at Delta Dental in 2001. And so I kind of took a year off and just you know, built up a, a base from yeah. there and then went back to school in 2004. Um, and so I'd kind of got yeah. the full, like at least four years of collegiate running in, in mm-hmm. pseudo in a way. Uh, but then, yeah, I came back and, and won conference in uh, cross country, I believe it was 2004. And then um, we had a good uh, crew of recruits. So our, our whole team got to go to um, nationals mm-hmm. in cross country. And some of that team, uh, my brother was on that team. It was pretty awesome That's to run cool. with him. Uh, and he was on four by eight team and, and uh, DMR team. And so mm-hmm. we actually won um, in, I believe, 2005, uh, the uh, distance medley relay in indoor nationals, uh, which was pretty awesome for a small school like SMU yeah, is, yeah. uh, to go up against uh, some of the other bigger mm-hmm. schools and, and just beat that. We were, you know, complete underdog story oh, for sure. yeah, uh, yeah. and being able to beat some of the big heavy favorites um, yeah. at the time. Well, and even just making it to nationals, right? Like there's such a cool thing and such a great experience that not very many people across all sports get to do. And you know, you be in there and you represent your school and, and you know, you go to the dinner or whatever it is. Like it's, it's a really cool experience Yeah, to be, I mean, you're, you're at the, the you know, something that you work for all year round and you guys make it. And then like I said, you, you think the stars align and you win, Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what about you? Anything stand out from from college? Yeah, uh, a couple things. Um, so I had a very different experience than Sam <laughs> in college. You know, I went in with all the hype, you know, as a yeah. as a top recruit uh, to a place that had a lot of fast. I was no longer a big fish in a small pond. I was mm-hmm. a medium sized fish uh, in a in a. I, I guess I'm botching the saying now, but in a huge pond. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These guys were fast. Yeah, you know, I had. A, you know, Canada's top miler. Uh, and then we had a couple of Kenyans on the team and a guy over from Ireland. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was low man on the totem pole mm-hmm. and I just ran myself into the ground. You know, I, the, the heart was there, the, the desire was there. I, I thought I was going to be an Olympian at some mm-hmm. point. Um, and I just kept running myself into the ground. So it just injury followed injury. 
uh, and it, it was a very frustrating experience. So I finally, uh, I did, there were a couple of highlights in there, you know, ran some fast times here and there, and then uh, was uh, on a national championship team. We went to nationals and cross country in 1999, mm-hmm. and um I will never forget that. I won't go into it too long, but it was 16 degrees outside and, and about a 40-mile-per-hour wind uh, up in Iowa, Ames, Iowa. Um, but we had a really tough team, and yeah. we, we were able to win uh, nationals. And then shortly after that, I just I got injured again, and that was it. So I kind of hung up the shoes with a year and a half. Sam would have killed for that extra eligibility. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> right. I gave it up and started playing intramural sports <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and riding a motorcycle. Like, it was just a I pulled, you know, 180 yeah. <laughs> in about the middle of college. So Yeah. But you are, if I'm getting this right, one of only four, right, Oklahomans to break the, what, the... the the four-minute mark? Yeah, I didn't do that in college. Um, okay. Yeah, that did not happen in college. Right. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to that. We'll get there. Bit. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's save that for a second. Um, but I want to touch on this because I know we're going to bring it up. Previous podcast guest and Olympians from Tulsa, or I say from Scotland and was at Tulsa. Chris O'Hare, you, you mentioned that uh, you may have may have had some some run-ins with Chris O'Hare. Look, there's another little running thing as well. God, I'm, I'm good at this. Um, tell that story because I'm just going to clip this and send it to him just to say, hey, sure. I interviewed someone today who actually you raced against. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to continue a little bit with the, with the transition. Uh, you yeah. know, post-college, I was kind of done. There was nothing, you know, from from my experience I was working right. full time I mean I only get two or three weeks of vacation a year mm-hmm. how do you you know compete and run with right. all that and then at, at some point you know met up with Mark and started training and I'll just fast forward because we'll probably come back mm-hmm. to you know how we met up um, one thing that uh, runners uh, tend to do is you know all the people um, that uh you haven't beat mm-hmm. like that have just been right there but there are a few that stand out that you you've beat and yeah. uh he may not know me <laughs> <laughs> oh don't worry i but have the same list of people and, on and, the golf course i have the same yeah. list there's people who are like now professional golfers earning millions yeah and i have beaten them once before that it's, I yeah it's like my one you know <laughs> totally get it yeah. I, I had one of the best races i had in my collegiate career at the university of arkansas last chance meet uh-huh. um and i ran a 402 indoor mile which is yeah. my best you know ever and it just happened to be against Chris O'Hare. Again, yeah. he probably would not know who I was, but he was a freshman at the time. But that is like one of the notches in my belt of being able to compete against amazing. not only an Olympian, but, you know, I mean, what, what right. a spectacular, amazing athlete he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, honored really to be, yeah. able to, you know, be able to share a track with people like that. He, uh, he told a great story about his first, like, training run in Tulsa when, when we had him on the podcast. And he's like, yeah, I just thought I was going to go down the river for a run. And I took a wrong turn and got lost. And it's, like, the middle of the summer. <laughs> oh, someone, no. has, someone has pulled up and he's just, like, like, sweating and completely out of breath, like, needing water. And they're like, can I can I help you? And he's like, yeah. Do you have any water or anything? <laughs> or like, how do I get back to campus? He's like, just got here. It's a brilliant story. But thankfully, Oklahoma people are very nice and yeah. he was taken care of. Uh, so that's all. Awesome. So... Tell us about, I mean, go back then. How'd you guys meet? Um, it kind of maybe touched on this in our last interview. Uh, a, a guy that I ran mm-hmm. against, uh, Wade Miller, you know, is somehow related to Mark. Cousin. Yeah. <laughs> cousin. cousin. And, and uh, you know, this was after I ran at SNU. I was still doing a couple of lo- local road races. Mm-hmm. And one I liked going to was the uh, um, Turkey Trot. Is that right? No, it was the night. Uh, like Midnight Streak. Oh, that Midnight Streak was one. But then yeah. the Bethany Freedom Run was another one. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's real. We met at local road races. Yeah. You know, Mark's from Edmond. I'm, you know, still living mm-hmm. in Bethany. 
um, and meet up and you know I, I recognize talent when I see it and yeah, Mark is fast. I gotta try I mean, and beat this Mark guy is now. Like, you know yeah. really I mean really really good um, yeah I'd put him like out of my league and I look at it as like if I could find somebody local to train with I'm probably gonna get right. faster yeah um, and, and Traded numbers and I drove up to Edmond. I don't know if he would have driven to Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> some guy, some guy wants to come and train with me. Oh, I guess I gotta go run with him. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. but uh, he had, you know, he had some great places to train. You know, north, the north, you know, dirt roads north of Edmond, and and he had, you know, connections on yeah. tracks, so it made sense. You yeah. ended up uh, as a wonderful training partner. But yeah. The beginning of it. <laughs> <laughs> we had to whip uh, you into shape a little bit. Oh yeah. 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 He's like. Man. Where's Sam at? <laughs> Come on, Sam. Yeah. Keep up. Yeah. I'd be terrible. I mean, I, it's just such a hard thing to do, especially when you're running at pace. And like you said, you, you hadn't had a base too much, and Mark's mm. been doing it forever, right? So, but I'm sure like that, you know, having that friendship and, and building that, and then you progressing and having, you know, Mark picking Mark's brain on everything, like that's really cool to have. Um, and now you guys are in business together, right? So yeah. back then you probably didn't think, well, you know, no. we have a business together. But now yeah. you do, which is even, which is even better. Uh, so at this point, then, are you back into running after college? Like you kind of hung it up. Yeah, like, yeah, I hung I it up for a while. Like I said, I really did a one eighty. You know, after I graduated yeah. college, I literally rode my motorcycle for three months yeah. and had a big, you know, a big time. And I didn't want anything to do with running because it, had, I felt it had burned me a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, I was, I was upset. Yeah, and I got to a point. I was uh, teaching high school uh, physics in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but living by myself, and I got to a point where it's like, you know, it's 4 p.m. Uh, I've already watched all the Seinfeld reruns I can watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should go do something. Yeah. And the nagging feeling that, you know, in high school, I remember very distinctly, you know, one of the coaches around said, you're going to run under sub uh, under four minutes one day. Yeah. Uh, actually, he said, you're going to do it in college. And I didn't do that. In fact, I hadn't even run faster than I did in, mm-hmm. in high school at that distance. And so I just had this nagging feeling of I, I knew that I had not run as, uh, up to yeah. the ability that I have. Can I talk about God-given ability? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to honor that. And so I just kind of had this nag to get back into it. So there was a two or three year gap there where I just I really didn't do any running at all. Mm-hmm. And then a nag to say, okay, you know, and let's get going again yeah so yeah and it's all it's almost like better to to have that kind of fire relit right mm-hmm. because you've you know and this happens in every sport right you get you're good at something you get riddled with injuries you, you burn out and you just you kind of pissed off you never want to be around it again and it gives you a bad taste leaves you a bad taste in your mouth and you're just like don't have good memories about this like a, the last experience you were running you weren't happy or whatever and then like i said you take a few years off or, you know, you pick up the clubs again or you put the boots mm-hmm. on again and you're just like, no, I'm still like, my body is like had two years off and it's like back into, you know, not in shape, but it's ready to mm-hmm. train again. Yep. Uh, kind of like the year that you had off building, building, right, mm-hmm. from running. And then you just like, yeah, why can't I do this? And then, yeah. you know, you like I said, you find time, you're teaching, you know, you know, you got time morning and afternoon and you just get back into it. Yeah, so I started back. It was a great place to run. I could still, my college coach was was gracious to let me still come around the team mm-hmm. and train with those guys. And they were, I mean, fast, fast. Like, yeah. um, I mean, it hurt. Like, I would only show up when I was well-rested. And they're like, man, how do you get in shape so fast? <laughs> like, well, I didn't run 12 miles yesterday. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I've been having hot and cold showers, ice baths, and cryo, and everything else, yeah. like, just to be ready for this one training session. But, I, you know, I got back uh, running pretty well and, yeah. and ended up running, you know, 406 in the mile uh, indoors and then coming and running a 404 
And uh, start, suddenly I was like, okay, I, I'm on. It's close. I'm on track yeah. here to do this. And then uh, I started uh, dating my, uh, you know, soon-to-be wife, uh, Darcy. But the problem with that was she lived back in Oklahoma, uh-huh. back in Edmond. Yeah. And so there was this tension of like, well, somebody's got to move. This isn't going to work forever. Right. You can't be married and live three hours apart. <laughs> so it made so much more sense for me to come here. Yeah. My family's still here. Her family is in Shawnee. Uh, she had a great job with Oklahoma Christian University, and it, it just made all the sense in the world. And that's why right. I was mad at the Oklahoma heat and wind <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and lack of people to train with because right. I was really in almost like a running Mecca at the time. Um, And so when I came back, it was like, yes, I will move here, but the one thing I won't compromise is my running goals. Like I'm going to do that. And that caused its own issues from time to time. (laughs) But, uh, and that's, you know, right around that time, that first summer that I was back is when Sam, you know, caught me at a couple of races and we're like, hey, let's, let's go. So, so when, when you guys meet up, you're working at Delta Dental mm-hmm. at this time. Where do you get a job then when you come back? Do you go into teaching? I went into teaching at Oklahoma Christian University. Okay. And that really, I, I mean, I, I worked hard at it, don't get me wrong, but it right. afforded me a flexibility that I need. I, I was always amazed at Sam because uh, he would go to work at, you know, 6.30 or 7 in the morning just so that he could get off at 3.30 to train. Mm-hmm. He was getting up early. I wasn't, you know, I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> this class isn't until 9, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Two yeah. amateurs, yeah. wander into class, you know, yeah. hey, what are we learning today? Uh, oh, well, I'm well, teaching. You did say, like, on the previous podcast, you were like, I am, if I can stay in bed for an extra 30 seconds, I will do that. Yes, like, on, yes. I'm on the, way yeah. to my, on the way to the office to brushing day. my teeth. To this day, yeah, Sam still rises earlier than I do, but... Yeah. Um, but you know, I had I had time. I had time mm-hmm. to, to put into it, and uh, uh, and it you know translated into getting faster. So mm-hmm. that first year back, I don't want to tell too long of a story here, but I guess we'll just continue to segue. But that first year back, um, I was here in 2005, so I qualified for the 2006 uh, U.S. Indoor Championship. Okay. This is in about February. And uh, went up there and um, just got destroyed. <laughs> and hum- I was in the race. Humbled. Yeah, yeah, I got humbled. I <laughs> yeah. was in the race. I was in the race even with, you know, 600 meters you to go. Let it. I led a little bit of it. Yeah. That was fun. You know, pe- you know, people were watching me on ESPN, and they yeah. thought that was the coolest thing ever. It was. And I was like, yeah. But my mindset wasn't there. I wanted to win, you yeah. know. And. And, uh, you know, I was up against Olympians mm-hmm. and uh, guys like Alan Webb. He went on to run, you know, the all-time American record in the mile mm-hmm. and just crushed me over the last, you know, 400 or 600 meters of the race. Yeah. I just didn't have the gear that they did. So what do I do? I get mad and I go out. This is in Boston. You're yeah. getting ready to go to Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go out and run by the river. You know, I, this is kind of my tendency is when I have a bad race, I go out and run like eight <laughs> or ten make, miles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, go through some serious you know, pain. <laughs> yeah. I punish myself now. Yeah. And I was ready to hang up the shoes. Um, I was frustrated uh, Mm. because I was completely solo. No coach, no nothing, nobody to run with. Just every workout every day was solo at that time. But also super dedicated as well. Very dedicated, yeah. Yeah. And so I got engaged. And at that point, it it was no longer fitting. You know, where does running fit into a lifestyle? Well, it was really starting to get pushed out. Yeah. And um, that's where a guy came into my life. Uh, his name is Ashley Benjamin. And Ashley, I, I will send this to you, yeah. so you'll enjoy listening to this. But Ashley literally came into my office at Oklahoma Christian University one afternoon. And I found out later it was the second time that he tried, but the first time I wasn't there. Yeah. And out of the blue, he introduces himself. Hey, my name's Ashley. Is that, you know, isn't that a girl's name? You know, that's what I'm thinking on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this guy? 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I coached for a while at Kansas 20 years ago. I was a graduate assistant at Ohio State for a while, and I followed the sport of running. And I just thought, you know, maybe, maybe I, you know, I could help you a little bit. I heard you're hanging up the shoes, and I thought I could help you. And I'm yeah. scratching my head literally, like, who does this? Who just right. waltzes in and says, I'm going to help you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking for the strings attached. You know, what, I got to pay you something? Right. Or what do you need from me? Yeah. yeah. And it turns Am out. Am I teaching your kid and they need an A? Yeah, like, yeah, how's, sure. how's this going on here, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out um, he's going to buy me lunch. Um, He's like, tell you what, just come to lunch with me, you know, one time, uh, one time a week or once every other week, I'll pay. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, free lunch, <laughs> why not? Yeah, of course. And I didn't call him my coach for a long time. I just, uh, we kind of developed a friendship. I called him my consultant. Um, and he looked through literally years of my training logs and just analyzed them. And I thought, who, you know. <laughs> this is the most a boring here. reading right. material <laughs> yeah, ever, right. and and he loved it. He right. dug into it, you know, and he and he kind of found some imbalance in my training and mm. thought, well, we need to change these things. I said, well, if we change those things, I'm going to get injured again. You know, I've tried that before. Anyway, he really just edged his way little by little uh, in, uh, let me get married, gave me some time, gave me some space, um, and also just taught me how to run not as a collegiate athlete, which is like ultra dedicated, you know, mm-hmm. two times a day. If I miss a run, like I, I you know, right. need to go to confessional or something like that. Uh, really, it no, plays I, with your yeah, mind. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, miss yeah. a practice I, session. I, I know you know, exactly. I, mean, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I, I could, and also you doubt it when you're younger too, and you're yeah. like, oh, I missed something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or you listen to somebody else's training. It's like, well, they're doing this. I'm not right. even doing anything close to that. Mm-hmm. And and he allowed me to. He didn't allow me to. He showed me how to kind of set running into a new life mm-hmm. as a married person with a full time job, and you can do it a different way and have a different mentality yeah. about it. And it really s- completely saved my running career. I was, I was done in 2006 before mm-hmm. I ever met Sam. Yeah. I was done if, if he didn't step into my office that day. How old are you at this point? At this point? Yeah. 42. No, no, like at that. no sorry. <laughs> sorry. At this point when he walks into your life. 27. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the things that's interesting is like athletes in general, like, like there's a fine period between like 23 and 29 right that like it happens in golf where like you just your body is fully developed at this point right and you've been tracked like for me i've been playing golf since i was six and after i graduated you know like when you're in school and you think oh these guys graduated they're done right now i'm playing against guys who are like i mean 30 31 32 whatever and they're still going but like when we were 24 to 29 like we still had it oh yeah so is it kind of the insane in running of a totally different mindset to it yeah i could i could talk for like like hours on this and i won't but but there's something there right that's like that period the american collegiate system is really difficult for sports like golf Mm -hmm. and track and tennis and sports that don't have a lot of money in them not not large sports because once you finish your eligibility there's almost nothing there for you you're done you're you're it's completely solo by there's no support you're earning your paycheck and then on the side you're running Mm -hmm. and it's really back to the days of amateur athletics yeah Uh, and that's where we were you know it's just really fighting that that battle um, kind of contrast that with a European system. Sam and I had the uh, uh, privilege, really, of going over and racing in Europe a couple yeah. years after that. And they have a club system where mm-hmm. you know clubs are really disjointed from the educational process. Yeah. And that, that club system supports athletes from a young age all the way up mm-hmm. to whatever age they want to keep mm-hmm. competing yeah. at. Yeah, yeah. And 
when I first got over that, I thought, well, that's really, that's weird. You know, mm-hmm. this is, this is a strange new concept to me, right. but having a, spent a couple summers over there and coming back, you know, as a post-collegiate runner, you know, I really realized like, man, I wish we had that kind of right. system here. Yeah. Cause you, like you said, I mean, it's the same in golf, right? You, you have that support system from, you know, the minute, the minute that you're kind of old enough to make a team. And, and in golf, it's obviously handicaps, right? So there's a t- every golf club back home, you join a golf club, whatever level you are at handicap, there's a team that you can join right? Um, within the club. Uh, and even when you're a kid, like when you when you become a junior, like it's over the age of 12 or whatever, you can, you're eligible to play for the junior team. And then when you turn 18, you can play for another. And like even when you play for your county, from our, our county, it was under 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s, and then men's team. Mm-hmm. So you've always got something to aspire for going mm-hmm. forward. Kind mm-hmm. of, I assume same with running too. Mm-hmm. But it's and then you know you, and you got the guys who have been doing it forever. You know that under 18s are on the men's team that are just like have come through the whole system. So everyone knows who they are, mm-hmm. everyone knows their family, and then you just build this giant network of support. Yeah. And, and the the club is generally run by volunteers, yes. right? You uh-huh. know, and it's just people who have a passion and people who've been through that system and now go to the coaching side. Mm-hmm. And have just been around it forever, but right. it, it takes years and years to develop that, and yeah. someone's got to start it. But I think out here the schools have. You know, like we don't really watch uh, school sports back home. Whereas out here, it's like it's pretty. I big. mean, there's you know thousands of people at a football game or at a running meet or whatever it is. Like, mm. no one cares about school mm. stuff back home unless it's rugby. Right. And even then, it's only the wives and girlfriends that show up. Right. Or whatever, you know, mums or whatever. Yeah, so you know it from the other side. Yeah, it's yeah. different. Not a lot of people understand that club yeah. system and how it could be so much better. But That's I didn't want to get too sidetracked no, on that. But it's totally. I understand. There, totally, I mean, it is totally a big deal. Like, I mean, there's a there are pros to the mm-hmm. you know athletics being tied to education because yeah. there's a whole lot of people that have degrees oh, for sure. that Free probably education. wouldn't have gotten 100%. you know degrees. But on the flip side, there's like mm-hmm. a lot of these sports that ends right. <laughs> at the yeah, end yeah, of college. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so, so you you guys just start competing then in these tournaments that are not in, not to do with college. I guess mm-hmm. kind of like what it is for me as a mid amateur golfer now. It's like you have these events all over the country, and you can apply and you can get in and. You build up like a golf resume or a running resume and like, hey, I used to be this good. These are my current times. Will you let me in? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, in a way. Largely, yeah. Yeah. You you, you have to in, I I don't know about necessarily golf, but it's probably the same way. You kind of have to seek out where the fast races are going to be. You've got to seek out where the fast runners are going to show up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you've got to go contact the race directors. And, you know, for somebody like me and, uh, you know, Mark, we're, you know, trying to you know, highlight every little bit that we can to try yeah. to get that race director to let us in that race. And mm-hmm. it's rinse and repeat, um, you know, all around the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our goal was to sub four in the mile. And so we were really hunting trying out, you know, where that. those fast mile races were going to be. Right. That's, uh, uh, track in cross country is, is different than maybe any other sport that I know yeah. of because we could still enter the college, many of the college meets. Obviously, really? we're not going to go and compete in the conference meet or something like that. Sure, but, but you could still have any A lot the, of meets are open. So really? I didn't if know I can run a 404 in the mile and I want to go over to Arkansas yeah. and, and run in their meet, it's like, hey, you, you can run a 404. You can run, but just call them like unattached runners. Yeah, yeah, yeah And yeah. you compete right in there with the collegians at a lot of meets. So that's we had so that good. going for us. Yeah, yeah that's that, really good. Yeah, for sure. Because usually like it's like for golf, it's totally separate. You know, I could never try and tee it up against you know whoever in a college, the college yeah i mean i'd love to it'd be awesome yeah. but yeah. like unless you play in like you know a, it's not a college event but it's one that all the college kids are going to be at you know like a big open qualifier u.s open qualifier or whatever like mm-hmm. that's the only time you're probably going to play against kids of that 
you know level. But yeah, it would be awesome to rock up to yeah. you know Stillwater or whatever oh. and play against and all the other kids. We loved running against the young guys. Yeah, you, you know. <laughs> especially when you beat them, right? Yes. It's like yeah, keep, yeah, keep training. Kids. You'll learn. <laughs> You'll learn one time. Yeah, not all the time, but yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> There's some that really really good college runners. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, you just keep running, and this guy just starts to train you, and then you're learning from from the group and from Mark as well. Yeah. So you all just kind of like you. I guess you develop your own running club. In a way, small little group of guys that keep running. Yeah, what it kind of evolved to, like I, I after a year of uh, training under Ashley, um, uh, you know, I kind of asked him, "Hey, what do you think about you know bringing in Sam?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, I think that's a great idea." And so, so Ashley started really coaching both of us mm-hmm. at the time. Probably more me and Sam at that point was more tagging along, running my workouts. Yeah. It's probably more tailored to me. Um, and then we also got plugged in with the Oklahoma Christian University cross-country team. So yes, I got sir. hired on as an assistant coach. And so I didn't have uh, any real difficult duties, but it also gave me the opportunity to train with that team. Yeah. And Sam could train with that yep. team as well. So mm-hmm. we'd go, you know, get hammered by these college kids, yeah. you know, running mile repeats or, or running hard, you know, long runs in the dirt roads on the weekends. And it gave us finally a more of a community to mm. to run with which is just so uh, it's really important yeah, yeah it's it makes it more exciting and more relatable and yeah so yeah uh, kind of that became our our new community that's awesome and and did you i mean you probably never thought yourself would be in a coach or whatever but it's like i guess your key teaching background it was kind of inevitable at some point yeah and i'd done a little bit of coaching at the high school level when i was in Fayetteville as well but always as, as an assistant because yeah. i was Front and center in my mind was I want to get faster. So at that point in time, I'm not looking to yeah. you know help other people. Get, it's a very right. selfish endeavor. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I mean that's the great thing about being a runner and being an individual sport is like it's just you. I mean I know you're running on a cross country team, right? And sometimes you have team strategies or whatever. But like at the end of the day, it's you in your head running. Yep. You've got to reach your goals, and yep. sometimes you might not even want to tell people what your goal is because sure. it's you know it's the only thing you're working towards. Mm-hmm. But uh, tell me about that time then when you do run that sub four. Well, so Ashley uh, got to again just totally credit him for this. Um, he started planting seeds in my mind of like, hey, you really want to run fast? You need to go over to Europe to run. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, well, that that's awesome. I've heard of you know pro American athletes going over there and doing that, but how do you even how do you even right. where do you start? Yeah. You know, honey, we're going to Europe. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can do the French Riviera. I'm going to be running the <laughs> no, whole time. This is seriously, that's almost what it was. Yeah. And so, <laughs> that's brilliant. 2008. Um, I was trying to make the 2008 Olympic trials, okay. and it came up just short of that, and it was a big disappointment to me. But but I had the fitness built up for it, mm-hmm. and so Ashley said, "You just go over to Europe and and get your feet wet over there." And so I got on a plane to Ireland, and yeah. thank goodness one of my college uh, teammates was on the same plane because he knew what he was going to do when he was, got there. <laughs> like, I literally... <laughs> like, just go to Ireland. I'll figure it out. I literally <laughs> wasn't sure. I knew I had to get from Dublin over to Cork, Ireland, which is on the other other coast, yeah. for my first meet, but I, I didn't know how I was going to get there. And he was there, and he's like, oh, now my agent rented me a car, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and a hotel. And so I literally bumped Perfect. my way across yeah. Ireland. How many seats are in this car? Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
And so I just started racing my first first meet over there. Uh, I didn't even race myself. I yeah. talked to the meet director, and, and I ended up pacing two races and made, you know, I don't know, 600 euros total right. that first day, just trying to kind of cover, uh-huh. trying to legitimize my right. you know, amateur endeavor here. Yeah. And I think he got third in the 1500 and came back and won the 3000 and, you know, took like a 4,000 euro paycheck or something like that. <laughs> and, yeah. And after the meet, I'm, I'm in the office uh, in the clubhouse, like, hey, I need my money. I'm I'm about to leave. Right. And, and I'm like, his name was Alistair Craig. Um, if you're a running fan, you might remember he was an Olympic finalist in the 5,000 that year. But, uh, and I'm like, you know, Alistair, aren't you going to get your money? He's like, nah, my agent, my agent will take care of you. It's like yeah. total carefree. No like, worries about man, it. Man, that's awesome. Um, but anyway, so yeah, went to Europe. I raced a few times that summer. Not, not terribly successful, mm-hmm. um, although a ton of fun and just a learning experience for me. And then, uh, and I said, you know, Sam, like, you need to come. Yeah. Like, yeah. This was really cool. Like, people actually go to track meets there. There's <laughs> money in the sport. <laughs> there's excitement around, and there's a ton of fast runners. Yeah. And kind of Ashley's idea was why people run fast in Europe, why especially Americans run fast in Europe is that's all you got to think about. You race. And then you chill, yeah, and rest. And then three days later, you race, mm-hmm. and then you chill, and you you strip off all the responsibilities of right. daily life, and you just run faster. They have to run, yeah. And he was absolutely he was absolutely right about it. Yeah, just clearing the mind, and yeah. like I said you have one focus, and that's to run, and that's it. Yeah. So so you know, fast forward a year, two thousand nine, and uh, we convinced Sam to go over there, and that's a huge commitment for him. Well, I mean, yeah, he, he's working like, a job with like strict vacation yeah. time, and so he's uh, you know saving time to go over to Europe. And so I get a head start on him and run a couple races over there and I'm fitter than I've ever been mm-hmm. and excited and running personal best times. And then, you know, Sam shows up and we rent our bicycles together to, yeah. <laughs> to travel around Leuven, Belgium. Um, and then I'm trying to get Sam in, in some meets and he, he doesn't quite have the, the street creds yet right. uh, to get into some of these. So it, it, Largely, yeah. largely, like I'm it's saying, because you haven't ran, yeah, 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 it's because you just haven't ran the race. Yeah, it's not because you're there. not fast enough. It's because you just haven't been at a it's, certain event. I wouldn't, so I wouldn't say I'm Sam's agent, but I'm certainly like his advocate. Yeah, for family. sure. Yeah. And Sam shows up, and uh, <laughs> I, I chuckle about this every time, and I've got a picture of it. Uh, he's literally off the plane for maybe 36 hours, and he's still got jet lag. And we get him a spot in the 800 in his yeah. first meet, and he ends up sharing a lane. <laughs> With uh, uh, an Olympian, David Kremenacker, like yeah. one of America's top talents, <laughs> and Sam's there, like in his SNU shorts, yeah, yeah. lined <laughs> like up next to David, yeah. jersey, you know, lined yeah. up next to like all Adidas gear. Like right. he looks like a, just a stallion. Yeah, you know? he's walked straight out of the Adidas <laughs> store. Like, yeah, in a press. He's gear. super, super nice guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was awesome. awesome. Yeah. So I know this is a story that Sam wants to tell, and I'll stop hogging the mic here. But yeah, we get. I'm trying to get Sam into some meets and having a hard time doing it. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you can kind of get in over there and, and here too is to do some pacing jobs. They call it a rabbit in track. So your job, you know, maybe it's uh, 1,500 meters and your job, you've got to get to two laps of the track, 800 meters, and we want, you know, your pace to be, we want you there in one minute and 56 seconds. Like it's it's to the second, yeah. sometimes to the 10th of a second of yeah. this is where how we want the race to go because they've got money on the line for different records and gotcha. different sponsorships and so forth. So, um, so I, <clears throat> one of the, one of the guys that's helping us over there says, Hey, you're, you're you know, your buddy's here. Um, can he pace this 800 coming up? And if he paces it, we can get him into mm-hmm. the next meet. 
and these are like kind of a a level meats. These are really good yeah. meats. And he says, uh, okay, I need 51 seconds uh, for the four, 400 meters, um, and he's going to pace the 800-meter race. And I'm kind of like, you know, scratching my head, like, please, Sam. Like, <laughs> Is this doable? The math doable? I know yeah. you're fast. Yeah. yeah. And I have a feeling that, you know, under the gun, you know, and, and with a crowd of people yeah. and with the big field, like, you can run 51 seconds. Yeah. And so we agreed to it. Um, and then things started to change a little bit. So when it's agreed, do you know that you agreeing this as well? Or is he yeah, agreeing yeah, we're it for you? all in the okay, same okay. email chain yeah. or text chain, and yeah, I'll, I'll kind of jump in and take over. And, yeah, um, yeah, I I only get like three weeks of vacation. I've worked well, it yeah. out, so I, I've got my first meet squared away, and we talked about that one was quite the experience. And I ran really well too there too, mm-hmm. um, and then you know we're trying to line up the rest of the meets, and so you really don't have much of a choice right the same race director is directing the next race so yeah. it's like all right i'll pace for you you know uh and and before i know it i was going to be pacing 51 the b heat which is the slower heat mm-hmm. and then the pacer backs out of the pacing duties for the a heat and so they ask me and i'm like i don't really have much of a choice but i'm like I, sure yeah. you know i ran i ran a 49 split once in in college in a four by four it's like I, I think i could do this although it's not something i'm really trading for right so it's like, sure, we go from 51 and a half to 50.5 um, to, I mean, I'll kind of fast forward. By the time we're starting, they're asking for a 50 flat or sub 50. Yeah. And like off a standing start, you know, it's not somebody handing me the baton. Right. I like no running start or anything. And, and I mean, it is a huge meet. There's Olympians. Mm-hmm. There's, um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, future Olympians in that race. Uh, it's on national uh, Belgium television with the big old, you know, camera shining up oh, and introducing yeah. everybody and uh you know a lot of a lot of stress and pressure to perform um and you know not, you know before i know it like i'm the guns off and we're all out sprint and i'm yeah. all out as fast as i can go uh and i look 50, over 50 you know seconds as and fast i look over possible. after 100 meters yeah. of a 400 meter pacing job and like they're like parallel to me, and I haven't moved <laughs> over. And I haven't even moved over all the way to like yeah. start pacing this heat. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like thinking, like I'm all out, but I've still got a little bit left. So I like I burn my guns. Like yeah. I just do everything I can to get in front get of ahead. them. So I'm at 150, and I'm I'm like I'm feel like I'm spent. And I'm not, like, yeah. <laughs> I haven't even made it even close to 400. I haven't even made it to 200, and I'm yeah. like it is just the difference between just where like, I'm at in my athletic abilities and where like Olympians right. are. You're at. not training for well, yeah, that exactly. race either. Yeah, yeah, I'm not training for that race. Um, but you did have to get ahead, right? I had like to get ahead, yeah, and yeah. so before I know it, it's like 200 meters, and they're passing me. And so I I I mean it was an awful awful experience. But I'm thinking like I am just going to slow these guys right. down, and so I bell off the track yeah um which is like i felt terrible because i mean they're right. here to run really fast they're but relying you, but on like a, you did not expect to be doing that of course i, I didn't right? I, it, no got, it got and out it of hand, hand. Yeah. i mean there was the job and then the job changed and then they're yeah. like oh no yeah you can do 50 i mean actually no can you do this no. it was that i mean and i can't say no but at the same point <laughs> i give it all i can <laughs> it's like yeah and I, I felt awful i mean I, I went around and you know talked to you know the the racer the race director yeah. was Utterly pissed off, and I've never understood like uh, uh, a French like, person cuss <laughs> like, before, yeah. but I could understand everything he was yeah. saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the F was, word translates. It does. It sure yeah. does. So does the S word and a whole bunch of other you know four letter words. Uh, but it was it was it was quite the experience. Yeah. Um, and then you really to go talk to like Olympian runners afterwards and just right. apologize. So like I'm I'm really sorry, guys. Yeah. And, 
and uh, you know they kind of shut them up. They were literally talking about it after the race, and right. I'm like, I'm going up to talk to them. Uh, and they need in something Mark had even mentioned is a lot of the U.S. and Canadian runners kind of were around this college campus somehow, mm-hmm. staying in the dorms or in apartments nearby, and. And while he flew over to Ireland, that's part of the story too, I'm taking a bus to the meet, um, and I have to take a bus back. Yeah. And so I'm sitting- With all these guys. Well, a lot of these guys, literally one was from Belgium, you know, sitting right behind me talking how bad the pacing job of the 800 (laughs) was. It felt like the whole two hours he was talking, like, uh, you know, I'm like, I I, part of me was like, I wanted to turn around. It's like, that was me. That was me. I I get it. I get it. (laughs) Can't apologize anymore. I mean, I I don't know how much more time we have, but I mean, I could talk another hour about it, but I'll kind of speed it up. Like, um, I, I tried to get to the next meet. Mm-hmm. They didn't let me in. Uh, I'll let Mark jump in on, on his Ireland piece, but um, I was ready to go home that night. Yeah. I was like, this is a pointless trip. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't. Right. I stuck it out, you know, worked out a couple more times, and then really my next my next two races, the 1,500 and the 800, were my PRs. Yeah. So it's one of those stories of, like, you know, you fall flat on your face. Don't give up. I, I have it, you know, my, my two – PRs in the 15 and the 8 um, and one of those like you know Brad said I was beat Mark it was my best race ever I, I got second in Virton Belgium and yeah. uh, I had a great great time down there um, or up there or whatever but mm-hmm. uh, I'm kicking over to Mark because it's you know my worst day ever and he's having his best day over yeah and the flip side yeah. of that story yeah because you're like, probably calling him saying I you'd never guess what happened and he's like oh no no you'll never guess what happened <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it that's exactly it yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't get into this meet that right. he was pacing at, but I did get into a mile. And that's why I was over there that year is I wanted to run the mile. Yeah. And there aren't very many opportunities to do that. So I had an opportunity to run a mile in Dublin mm-hmm. the same day. And uh, so I had taken a, a Ryanair flight uh, over there, <laughs> you know, cheap, cheap budget here. Just you and your backpack. That's all you need. Because it'll charge you yeah. everything else if you don't. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm at the, the, the mile. It's called the Morton Mile. It's the Morton Invitational there in Dublin. And it's a big meet. This is a, a meet that has history going back like into the 1940s mm-hmm. and had world records in the two mile in the ni- 1950s. My college coach. Uh, who ended up winning you know, 40 national championships. He was from Ireland, yeah. and he set records on that track um, you know, a long time ago. So there's all this history. So it's like the St. Andrews of running. Then, it's, right? it's generally like that. Yeah. But in 2009, there was a bit of a down year in sponsorship. It's probably you know, the year after the Olympics, maybe just kind of a down year sure. overall. And so I come in there, and the field's really not as hot as it usually is. Mm-hmm. It's me and uh, a couple other good Americans and a Canadian and uh, one of my college teammates uh, from Kenya that that I finally managed to beat for the only time in my career. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm in in this mile, and um, it, I feel I had it one of the days of my life. It's like mm-hmm. this is easy. I'm running four minute pace, and this is this feels easy. And so I sat and then just kicked. And I don't often outkick yeah. people for a win, but I outkicked them for a win. Uh, I ran like 401.2, and I thought, man, I just squandered my best opportunity ever to run under four minutes. I felt like I could have run 357 that yeah, day, but yeah. it was a it was a race, you know. And so I the the prize is a thousand euros, and they bring this you know big heavy trophy. <laughs> it's like the U.S. Open, you know. It's like Brilliant. the names on this trophy yeah. are like you know Olympic champions of and record. Right. I mean, it's just like, and then there's it's you amazing. know Mark Thompson, two thousand nine, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, you know we, we go to the clubhouse that night um, by the track, and guys are. Uh, you know, toasting to me and like buying me Guinnesses. Did you and fill stuff. it up? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was unbelievable. Like I, yeah. it was like in running heaven. 
I've yeah. never had a running night like that in my life. Whereas he's on this being bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Lead off. <laughs> and so I fly back to, to Belgium and we meet up for pizza. And Sam is literally, I mean, he's, he's yeah. lucky he didn't already purchase his ticket home. Yeah. I mean, he was ready to go. And, I, and I'm wanting to share my fun news with him. You know? <laughs> and uh, we had a fun conversation in the pizza shop there and, you know, convinced Sam to kind of just wait, you know, mm-hmm. hang out a little bit. You know, you're here. Just, just, let's just keep going. But it, suddenly I was his friend, but also like his counselor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and we were able to keep him there. Yeah. And then, like I said, you went on and ran your two PRs from... You know, from literally coming from the, like, it's the worst place probably yeah. mentally that you've been to uh, to running in, in these two races. It's good that you got into those two races, right? Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, <laughs> hopefully, you know, no, the race director doesn't call someone else and be like, no, no. Don't <laughs> that guy. Yeah, we've awesome. seen this guy. guy's bad luck. You know what this guy. <laughs> Somebody okay. talked me into putting him in a race as a, as a pacer and he didn't want to trust him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but we had uh, we had two big, two races left of, of equivalent mile distance. Yeah. We had the 1,500 meters and uh, I didn't feel wonderful that night. Uh, in fact, Sam uh, came around me with about 50 meters to go and just, just, Blitzed it, and yeah. ran his per- lifetime best, you know, and had one of the days of his life. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Are you smiling as you pass him? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. You just like, do you Every have time. the awareness in you that you're just like <laughs> got you? Yeah. And then that was the last race, or maybe there's one more, and then there was a mile at the very end of it. Mm. It's the last, the last race over there, and yeah. I knew it was going to be. So I literally had one chance to try to capitalize on it. Sam was in the race as well. Mm-hmm. And um, was able to come home, you know, from that race with a 359 to yeah. my name, 359.29, um, and just uh, made everything worth it. You know, yeah. I was 30 years old, right. and you know, since I was since I was 18 years old, people were telling me you need to, you should do this, you know. And it's just one of those itches that needed to get scratched, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, this was really, really gratifying to yeah. finish it like that. You know, he probably doesn't think of it this way, but the first thing that came to my mind was that he was so pissed off that you beat him that he spurred him on to run that. There you <laughs> go. No right. doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I he, did not he like... handed it to me in that mile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of the I'm cool things you. about that is, like, I, I think you're, you know, there's literally a record of, of U.S. sub-four milers. Like, yeah. there's mm-hmm. a... A historical list, and Mark is on that list. It's yeah. pretty impressive. Three hundred twenty-nine. That's yeah. my number. Yeah. And then same thing. There's very finite. There's not many Oklahomans that yeah. have subbed for. Who are know. the other three? Um, there was one guy from Lawton that did it, like in the early '80s. Uh-huh. Um, I, I actually don't know. I think I was this, either the second or the third okay. native Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, some Oklahoma college sure. kids yeah, you know, yeah. from other places have, have done it, but you know, Oklahoma born yeah. uh, was either the second or the third. Um, and then one of the athletes that I coached um, wasn't born in Oklahoma, but Frazier Legeese, uh coached him at Oklahoma Christian. He ended up going under four minutes as well. So that's, I mean, that's not a long list of four people. That's like <laughs> <laughs> I am one of four at something, and that's a pretty good thing to have. Well, if you narrow down the constraints, <laughs> you know, that far, well, okay. I, must I mean, it's still like, like you said, like it's it's all of that training and that goal, and like to finally get there. It's uh, on the last race, right, of being... That was, that, being that was my last chance. I don't think I could have done it another year. I, I started head coaching. At, you know, okay. No longer was I assisting. I was the head coach. Yeah. And Sam, I pulled Sam on as an assistant. And so responsibilities were growing. Mm-hmm. And I, I had I not done it then, I 
don't know that I yeah, would have yeah, done yeah. it a so, year later. So then that, that's when you guys start really working hard with Oklahoma Christian and yeah. you've gone from just being an assistant to like, no, I actually really love doing this now. And then you get brought in as well as an assistant mm-hmm. and you start kind of coaching the kids, right? Did you bring Ashley in too or was he just like... Uh, no, I relied on him a lot. I would yeah. consult with him. You know, we, uh-huh. we love talking, running. And I had a, a top-notch uh, male runner. His name is Silas Cusorio. Um, that uh, just was beautiful to watch. He ended up running three minutes and fifty six seconds a couple of years later. So, yeah. and I that was at three fifty five. Yeah, but three fifty five. Yeah, I took him out to uh, New York City and got him in the Wanamaker Mile, which is an indoor mile that's just world class. You know, famous. And uh, the collegiate record at the time was three fifty five oh two, and he ran three fifty five sixty four. So he was, you know, one of the all time yeah. collegiate best. So we, you know, Sam and I both just had a ton of fun, kind of translating uh-huh. our experiences and skills. You know, I sent Silas over to Belgium. He ended up kind of doing the same tour. Yeah. Uh, and then also we, you know, proudly one of one of my proudest um, uh, professional achievements. Uh, aside from that Morton Mile, yeah, <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> uh, was you know we we won a national championship. Uh, yeah. So on the men's side in 2011, we we had a really strong team and and ended up you know winning pretty decisively mm-hmm. uh, in the NAIA national championship. So just super proud of of that time. Yeah, um, I know we've got to touch on this because it means a lot to you. Um, and also it's it you know running is such a personal thing and just being away and being on your own and being in your own head. Um, your wife's battle with cancer and how yeah. much that means to you running and just kind of like running for her right and her memory and just talk talk about that because there might be someone listening who might be going through that similar situation right now yeah. um, and just kind of how that is and having a great support system of friends around you um, you know and it's not it might not be running it could be golf or it could be something or just going like just talking to people about going through struggles I think as men we, we generally don't like to talk about stuff right we keep it up pent inside and, and then you kind of just there comes a point where you have to talk about it but what was that like going through like some of the best times of your career and you know and having Darcy with you and talking about all that and the friendship and then you know you get this like my wife's got cancer right like it puts everything in perspective doesn't it it does tell me about that stuff yeah thank you for letting me talk about it it's uh hopefully I don't choke up too much but um yeah, so, you know, I had a, a decade, I would say a pretty just fun decade that kind of culminated in 2011, 2012, running, you know, Sam, going over to Europe. You know, while I was in Europe, Darcy, my wife, was in New Zealand, you know, with a, with a yeah. friend over there that had just had a baby. And so we go from kind of being world travelers and free. And then um, we had uh, a daughter in 2011. Mm-hmm. And then a second daughter uh, was on the way in 2013. Um and we uh, found out about 12 weeks into that pregnancy that that uh, Darcy had breast cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, just earth-shattering for us. You know, what do we do? There's a we have a baby that's, you know, <laughs> right. How do we start to treat this? What do we? It just it just completely turned our world upside down, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> she ended up, you know, having uh, a mastectomy while she was pregnant, uh, about 20 weeks pregnant, which is difficult mm-hmm. to say the least uh, and and underwent some chemotherapy while she was pregnant um, and then delivered to Lula she Darcy was completely bald when she had the baby you know and, and so the baby had more hair than, than she did <laughs> <laughs> and 
uh, and then you know followed up with more chemotherapy and more, uh, and then some radiation. You know, with with a, with two small children to take care of. And so my priorities, uh, you know, there was no more like, hey, I'm going to run. You know, the first priority, that was not, that became about the 50th priority and maybe I get to it. And Mm -hmm. and it certainly changed it from something that I was just felt compelled to do to something that now became an avenue for me to just, just live and breathe. You know, it was really an escape for me at that point. So any, I I just enjoyed it, you know, Mm -hmm. just, just for that. But, uh, you know, to say some about Darcy, um, anything that I've done in this life or this career, I, to me, pales in comparison to the kind of person that she was. I mean, mm-hmm. she was just an amazing person. And uh, so she ended up battling cancer. It came back in her bones in 2017 um, and then in her brain in 2018. And, uh, and, and then she finally passed in, in February of 2018. 2020. Mm-hmm. And so there were about seven years altogether there of, you know, fighting cancer yeah. and raising kids and going through life's trials and actually started Tap Tap Eat during that right. time. It's good she gets to see that uh, and be amazingly. around that and hear those initial talks and, and, and the launch and everything. And she was she was our biggest advocate. I mean, yeah. she believed in it. She she almost wouldn't let me not do it. I could have talked myself out of it at any point in time. It's like, okay, this is really a stupid idea. Like, um, but she almost wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. And so she's really, I, I owe so much to her for, you know, what she brought. And I didn't mention this. I should have earlier. She was actually there in Belgium mm-hmm. for the sub four minute mile. Oh, amazing. She couldn't stay away. Yeah. And she, uh, she brought, uh, this was the hard part for me. It's like, <laughs> She's like, I'm coming, and my mom wants to come, and your mom wants to come. <laughs> <laughs> and so oh, uh, think of the same bus of athletes that Sam was talking about. Like, it's literally filled with yeah. with high-caliber athletes, right. and on that bus is riding, you know, me and my wife and my mother and mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> so two intersection of two worlds that I never, ever mm-hmm. foresaw coming, but that was all, you know, that was yeah. all Darcy. And her passion for just for for being there, for being well, and also like I mean, you know, there there sadly there are some husbands, wives, may even that just like that graduate. They were in college, they graduate college, they did this sport, and now it's like, um, you know, they like they don't have anything left, right? Or they you know, they they like they get married and that's it. There's no more sport. Um, but to have someone like like Darcy to support you and say, no, 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 you can do this, go for it. Yeah. Um, that's that's special. She loved to surprise, especially around halfway around the world too, right? Yes. If you, you know, if you're like, hey, I'm going to travel, I'm going to play around the state. By all means, make sure you're home by bedtime. <laughs> you know, by, by by the end of the day. But if it's like, oh, can I go to Europe? Yeah. Like those conversations and, yeah. and being so supportive, and then yeah, when she's mum's coming, yeah, and your mother too, yeah, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> the whole kind of bachelor life in the apartments they were living at, they didn't take to that too well. But <laughs> I mean, it was pretty comical. Yeah. But Darcy too. I mean, I mentioned the indoor nationals race in Boston. She showed up like I was at the meet, almost ready to swarm up and then yeah. walk. I had no clue she was going to be there. That's brilliant. Uh, and she just shows up, you know. And she was just that, that kind of person that she couldn't stay away for one, yeah. and then two, she just she loved to to surprise people like that. Mm-hmm. And now that you get to live every day honoring her with the business, raising your kids, like this, there's not many things that motivate you more, right, than that, like that memory and, and kind of continuing her legacy and just living life for her, right, and through for the kids and everything. So. It certainly plays a big a big part. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm still, um, 
still in the, I would say in the you know active grieving process. Sure. I mean, it's been eighteen months now, which is hard to even say. Yeah. And each each month has its its own challenges. Um, but yeah, certainly her her memory. You know, for, for one thing, those kids. Yeah, <laughs> they get me out of bed <laughs> as much as you don't want them to. Well, yeah, they, they I, do, yeah. I don't think I would if they weren't there yeah. in many days. You right. know, but um, she would. If she were here, she would make sure that I made everybody who's listening, if you're still listening, aware that she, Darcy actually completed two marathons, uh, which oh, is something so I've never good. done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in some ways, she was right. more of a runner than I was. But um, but no, it's, yeah, the, the memory and the fight and the drive and just the zest, the love for life that she had mm-hmm. is something that I feel like I just, I have to, I'll always try for to sure. honor that. Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that. I know it's not easy, and it's it's soon. You know, still, like I said, eighteen months is is a lot, and like I said, every month is different. But um, thankfully, you've got a good group of friends to run with, Sam here, and everyone else, and and still, you know, the the Ashley and the and the community at Oklahoma Christian, which I've had many stories on the podcast, not to do with running, but just Oklahoma Christian in general, SNU, the Oklahoma, right? Just the support system that we have here, mm-hmm. and the reason that we're all still living here, or we move back here, or whatever it is, like it's it's a special place to be, and and you know, there's there's someone who will come help out at any second if mm-hmm. you just make a phone call or whatever. Um, but thanks for coming down again for part two to talk mm-hmm. about this because hey. I'm glad we did it because there's so like there's a lot of good stories in well, that you. Um, you may have to cut some out we, if you get us talking about running yeah, it's <laughs> we don't go get to do that right. very much exactly days, but at know. least you'll have this content for whoever wants to listen to it you can say <laughs> someone asks you about your running you're like hey I did a podcast you can go listen to it um but yeah, thanks so much for that. Um, for people listening, I'll post the link to uh, some of the guys' races, uh, and you can see the numbers and people who they've raced against and, to, and beat as well. <laughs> uh, Chris, if you're listening, there's a link to the one where Sam beat you. Uh, and yeah, thanks for guys for coming down. We'll uh, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever. I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, Follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.